You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Well, today we are celebrating the message of hope. Uh, You and I are here this morning because of the profound hope that we have in Jesus Christ. I love the way that uh, Billy Graham talked about hope. He said that perhaps the greatest psychological, spiritual, and medical need that all people have is the need for hope. What a great statement that is. Think about it. He's talked about psychologically we need hope. He talked about spiritually how we need hope. He talked about medically or physically how we need hope. Interesting, that's exactly how God created us, right? He created us psychologically. He's created us spiritually. And He's created us physically. And every aspect and every area of our life, we need what? We need hope. You might put it this way. God has hardwired us for hope. God has hardwired us for hope. Why would he do that? Why do you think God would hardwire us for hope? I believe it's because of this. That because whenever I am hoping for something, it must mean that I am in need of something, right? If I didn't need something, I wouldn't have to hope for something. So when I'm in hope, I'm actually in need. And we've been hardwired to hope because when I am in need, it points me back to the Savior that I need in my life. It points me back to God and a realization that what is going on in my life is beyond my ability to fix it. What might be going on or the circumstances in my life are beyond my scope to be able to deal with it. And so when I put my hope in the fact that God is going to show up, it changes or reorients my life to the place where it actually belongs. And that's in Him. Well, this morning, there's a couple of places, two places I would ask you to look at in your Bible. Lisa mentioned the first one, Galatians chapter 4. But then also, I want to go back to a verse that we used last week when we talked about vision. That's going to be in Habakkuk chapter 2. Okay, well, I want you to put your finger there and also in Galatians. The, the best way to find uh, Habakkuk is to go to Matthew and go to the left five books. Okay, Five books towards the Old Testament and you will find yourself uh, right there where you need to be. One, one thing as you're turning there that, I, that I've recognized in my life um, and, and maybe you've recognized in your life is that when I'm hoping for something because I'm in need of something... I can get very impatient when waiting for my need to be met. Anybody else in here get like that? When, when you have a want or you have a need, how many of you would say you're extremely patient, you don't care when it happens, you know, like whatever? Yeah, okay. All of us want, when we want something, when we need something, we want it to be answered when? Not, not tomorrow, we want, it, we want it now. And typically, as a whole, we're not a very patient people. Have you noticed that? I mean, across the side, we're not a very patient people. In fact, um, Timex did a study, commissioned a study to kind of look at things um, in our life, day-to-day things that happen in our life that um, we tend to run out of patience with. Check this out. This is the average amount of time we're willing to wait for things to change. When it comes to a car at a green light and you're behind that car and that car is stopped at a green light, The average amount of time you're willing to wait is 50 seconds. 
That is a lie from the pit of hell. There's no way anybody in here is waiting 50 seconds. I'll give them 10 seconds at most, and then we're checking to make sure our horn works, right? Is that, is that about right with you? 10 seconds? Five seconds? Yeah. And we've got one second in the back. You win, sir. <laughs> you, you win. Okay, what about, what about people talking in a movie? How many does that, that, that just... Oh, cannot, right? Who cannot do... One minute and 32 seconds. That's how long we're willing to wait before we address that person. Now, let me ask you this. How long do you think you would wait for a blind date to show up? How? <laughs> 10 seconds. <laughs> 10 seconds? Is that The reality is we're willing to wait 26 minutes for a blind date to show up. However, check this out. You know how long you're willing to wait for your wife to get ready in the morning? The average is 21 minutes. 20. We're willing to wait longer for somebody we don't know than our own wife. What is up with that? It's because we're impatient people, right? We're an impatient people. When we have things that we need or want in our life, we want it now. But the reality is this. We need to reconcile our desire for God to show up with God's perfect timing. Because the two are not always the same. Uh, when I'm in a situation, when I'm in something, when I'm dealing with something, um, oftentimes I, I know more than God, I think. And I know when he should show up and I know how he should show up and I know in the fashion in which he should show up and fix the stuff that I know needs to be fixed. Anybody else kind of like a control freak over your own life? Right? But the truth is, God doesn't think like us. God doesn't move like us. God doesn't act like us. And how many of you would say this morning, praise God, he doesn't. Right? Because his thoughts are not our thoughts, is it? And, And in that, the reality is there should be a reassurance in our life. A reassurance. What do you mean by that, Jeremy? I mean this, that if we, in fact, do place our hope, as we say we do, in God, and when I place my hope in something, you know what I'm really saying? I'm saying I trust that thing I'm placing my hope into. When I place my hope into something, I'm trusting that that thing, that my need will be met. So what I'm saying is when I'm hoping in God, I'm trusting in God. Can I ask you a question this morning? How's your trust level? I, I, I would venture to guess, and, and only raise your hand if you're, if you're comfortable with this. How many of you this morning would say you're either navigating a season of change, a hard circumstance, or, or something that's just, it, it's tough stuff right now? Anybody in here would, yeah, okay. And then the rest of you lie, but that's okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Most of us could probably point to one or two things that you would say, is beyond your ability to navigate yourself. Uh, it, it could have come in the form of, like we talked about last week, uh, a letter from the doctor that's given you some news that you weren't ready for. Um, it, 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 it could be in a relationship that you have with a child or with a spouse. There's, there's so many circumstances, financial, f- relational, medical, that are beyond our ability to navigate. We just can't fix it. And so the reality becomes this, do we truly hope in the one who can, and are we willing to wait for his perfect timing? 
Proverbs 13.12 reminds us that we've always been an impatient people. We've always been an impatient people. It says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred, hope delayed. When you're needing something to be done and you're wanting something to be done and, and it's not happening right away, have you ever felt like sick in your heart by that? Like you just, you want it to happen so bad and it's breaking your heart that it isn't. And, and, and it's at that moment that we have to reconcile hope in God's perfect timing. We have to reconcile the fact that God sees, that he hears, and more importantly, he cares for you powerfully, deeply, intimately. And in that knowledge that he cares and he loves intimately and deeply, the response that we should have at that moment is because I know he is for me, and therefore I am willing to wait, to wait. Not easy. Not easy at all. Last week, we talked a little bit about the importance of vision, the importance of vision. If you you weren't here, we talked about vision and how it's different than sight. Sight is the natural, what we see here. But vision is when God allows us to see the supernatural resources that he has for us to overcome situations. We talked about how the enemy who has come to kill, to steal, and destroy, the very first thing he wants to do is to steal your ability to see the victory that God has for you. That's, that's called stealing your vision. And so we talked a little bit about that in Habakkuk. And, and, and let, me, let me refresh your memory. It started in chapter 2, verse 2. It says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that he who reads it may run with it. That he who reads it, basically what the Lord is saying, capture the vision that I have. Capture my word and hold on tight and run with it. So that way when circumstances, when situations that are beyond your control come your way, and if they're not here today, chances are they're going to be here tomorrow, okay? Because the Bible tells us that in this world you're going to have what? You're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. It's coming. It's coming, but so is God's provision. You see, when I have vision, I can see God's provision. When I walk in vision, I can see God's provision for me. Now, here's the reality, though. Sometimes the vision that he has for me, the timing in which he wants to answer me, is not in my timing. Because look what it says in the following verse, verse 3. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Easier read than done, huh? It's it's easier read than lived. That, That waiting seems forever. That season of waiting, it's painful. It makes the heart sick. Lord, when? When will you show up, Lord? You've shown up before in my life, Lord. I know you've loved me, and I know you, but, but, but Lord, just when? When will we get there? When will I see victory? How, how many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? I love what Lisa read in Galatians chapter 4. Let's, let's read that again. Verses 4 through 7. It says, But when the set time had fully come... Read that with me, would you? But when... 
I don't know what translation you got up there. <laughs> this the Jeremy Taylor New Living Translation, I think, over here. Let's read it together. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out. Stop for a second. Sometimes, we've said this last week, we've said it before, sometimes we kind of steamroll through scripture. We just kind of read it. Let that sink in for a minute, would you? The one who is holy, the one who has been, is, and always will be, God of the universe, creator. You know what he calls you? His child. Let, let that sink in for a minute. Because I think so many of us, we look at our relationship with God, well, well, God is there, he tolerates me, he died for me. and and But no, it's so much more than that. He says, call me father. I'm your father. What does a father do? A father cares, a father loves, and a father always shows up. Have you ever seen those videos of, of, of super dad moments? Uh, on YouTube, sometimes there'll be a kid falling, and right at the last second, dad swoops them up. You ever seen those videos? It's just like our Father in heaven. That when we're falling, when our circumstances are causing us to stumble, at just the right moment, God shows up. Not, not, not too soon, and not too late. Because there's something of beauty in the waiting. It doesn't seem beautiful to us. It doesn't feel beautiful to us. But it's in the waiting that God is doing something deep within you. It's in that period of hope and hope fulfilled, that season of waiting where God is shaping and molding you into the man and woman he's called you to be. How many of you know that most of the time our character and the vision that God has for us in our future, it's shaped in the hard stuff? It's not always molded in the easy stuff, is it? And so it's in that waiting period, God's perfect timing. Don't don't neglect this, that God is at work deep within you and in the lives around you. Time and again, time and again, he says, in the perfect moment, at just the right time. Did you catch that's what he said in the beginning? Christmas is all about God's perfect timing. At just the right time, he sent his son. At just the right time, not too soon and not too late. For hundreds of years, people had been longing to see the Messiah come. They'd been longing for Christmas. But, but God in his omniscience, his all-knowing, he waited for the perfect moment. In fact, Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 13 that the prophets and the righteous, they had longed to see what these people were seeing and hear what these people were hearing, but they didn't. Why? Because God's perfect timing. It says this, at just the right time, he appears. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 5, it says this, for there's one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity and the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. And this is the message that God gave to us at just the right time. 
Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, just in case you're not getting the picture here. God says, at just the right time, I heard you. I would say that if the Bible says something that consistently, maybe we should take notice of it. Say it with me. At just the right time. And if that is true in one area of our life, it's true in, in all areas of our life. That at just the right time, God is going to see you. God is going to respond to you and salvation will come. Over your circumstances, over your situation, whatever it may look like. And it may not look like the way you think it should look like. It may not, it may not pan out the way you plan for it to pan out. But where hope is, trust is, and faith is, and therefore, whatever it looks like, listen to me, he's your daddy. It's good. It's good. And in the waiting, don't forget, he is doing something deep and powerful. What what was it? Have you ever wondered um, when you read Galatians chapter 7, what was it that it was just the right time? Why was it just the right time to send Jesus then? Wasn't the world in need of him before that? Why then? Here's here's some of the cool things about why then. Um, Because, A, God knows what he's doing. Okay, What was going on in the world at that particular time? Well, the Romans were now what? They were pretty much conquering the Mediterranean. I mean, they had all control of the Mediterranean. And that brought in something called Pax Romana, which was a period of peace. Peace during that time. And there was infrastructure that was happening during that time, too. Have you ever heard that, that saying, all roads lead to Rome? Right? So there's this new superhighway that's there. The ships have come to age. Countries like Syria and Egypt and others had begun to build ships and cruise the Mediterranean in ways that they never had before. So think of the impact that that had for the spreading of the gospel. Here's this, this, this poor family, a son of a carpenter, who, who came, who died, and rose again, and now the message is now exponentially being spread across the world at the perfect time where it it was almost as though the internet had happened at that time information was going crazy all over the place think about how that led to paul being able to share the gospel of jesus christ because why because jesus came at just the right time and he will for you as well when jesus came at the perfect time and he also brought the perfect message the message was him, and the message was hope. Write this down, if you would, real quick in your um, notes. The birth of Jesus brings us hope today because there's provision for our greatest need. There's help for our present realities. There is confidence in times of chaos, and there's a future to look forward to. There's provision for our greatest need help for our present realities, confidence in time of chaos, and a future to look forward to. And he did it all at just the perfect time. Um, One thing that I do know when I am waiting for God to uh, show up in a way that I am needing him to show up, um, and the timing isn't matching my timing, 
How many of you would be honest enough to say that you can oftentimes get confused by that? Have you ever asked the question, Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> How many of you did it today? <laughs> How many Miami fans are there out there? Never mind. That was bad. Sorry. <clears throat> Go Clemson. Um, where you're wondering, God, what are you, what are, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. You know what you know I love about the Bible? And I hope you love this too. I hope you'll become passionate about this. Become passionate about this. That the Bible speaks to everything that you're feeling. It doesn't neglect anything. The Bible is so relevant. It is so real. The Bible says this. We're talking about itself. The Holy Spirit talking about the Bible says it's living and it's active. It's living and it's active. And so... The things that you may experience, the things that you're feeling, the Holy Spirit captured that for times when you needed to hear it. And so when I'm in times of wondering, God, what are you doing? Why aren't you answering today, now, in this moment? I love what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, reminds me of something. It says, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and it's incomplete. But then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. Isn't that good? I don't understand it. And they're saying that's okay. They're saying that the Bible is saying is, yeah, you don't. You're seeing things partially, incomplete. But don't worry. Hope in me. Because one day you're going to see it all. Then it goes on to say, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. Isn't that interesting? That between faith and love, God buries hope. (laughs) Why? Because again, hope reorients me to the one who I need to show up. Hope allows me to deal with crisis of love and even crisis of faith (laughs) hope allows me to navigate those hard times faith hope and love i would venture to guess this morning there are some of us who are needing to cling on to hope like never before i love christmas i've mentioned that earlier You're like, I need that cry room now. (laughs) I love Christmas. I love this season. But let's be honest about this season. Sometimes the season that we're going through isn't Facebook friendly. You know how on Facebook we got the nice lights that go up there, the Christmas trees and the decorations, and, and, and your kids even smile in the pictures? How many of you guys like have waited hours for your kid to smile in a picture for Christmas cards? How many of you have had Christmas cards taken and, and they're faking their smile because you've threatened to kill the kid? How many of you have ever... Pray for me because I have. <laughs> um, but during this season, sometimes, man, there's just, there's just some tough stuff going on. There's some tough stuff going on. And, and, and there's something about Christmas and there's something about the holidays that seems like it almost accentuates the pain. Doesn't it? Because gosh darn it, everybody else is so happy, but look, look at my life. It hurts. 
I need, I need, I need someone to show up. I need the Lord to show up. You need hope. And if that's you in this season today, hear me, please, please hear me. Don't hear me because I just happen to be the guy up here. Just allow, allow this to be a word from the Holy Spirit because I believe it is. Don't you give up. Don't you quit hoping. Your hope is not misplaced. Your hope is right where it should be. And in his perfect timing, you'll see. Like you're going to see it. And then when you see it, guess who else sees it? The world sees it. They'll see that crazy Christian that, that seemed to be like you know, their life is falling apart, but, but man, they had this crazy weird hope. What is up with that? And then they're going to ask. And they're going to want. Write this down real quick. Reason why, part of the reason why we, we, we would need to cling to hope is not just for ourselves, but it's for the world. We want to celebrate the hope because it's energizing. We want to live the hope for it's contagious. Hope is contagious. We want to share the hope for it brings life. Contagious. I love sometimes, um, again, I like, I like sports. Um, there's got this show sometimes where it's called All Miked Up, and you can listen to players um, on the field and, and, and what they're saying to one another. And it's always fun to listen to the, the teams that are behind, you know, big time. And you can hear one or two leaders on the team that's behind spreading hope. We got this. We can do this. We can come back. And it becomes contagious. Everybody else in the stands even, and then the rest of the bench, they begin to rally I almost think of it in, in terms of last year's Super Bowl when, when the Falcons, and then let me preface this by just saying I'm sorry to any Falcons fans that are in here. When you're winning and the Patriots came all the way back, hope was contagious. And the hope that you have in God is so much more contagious than any sporting event ever could be. And when you begin to live a life that is hope-filled, hope-full, full of hope, the world takes notice. The world takes notice. I want to conclude this morning by speaking specifically a scripture over some of those that may be in here that are dealing with a season in which God's timing and your need, and that season of waiting, it, you're struggling right now. You're struggling right now. Let me, let me share a verse. In fact, write this down. I want you to read it this week. It's not in your notes and it's not on the slide, but you're, you're going to want to read this if you're in this place. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. says, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. <laughs> they will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not get weary. How many of you would love to have new strength this morning? <laughs> How many of you would love to run without becoming weary? How many of you would like to soar over your circumstances on wings of eagles? <laughs> How do we get all of those? How do we get that? The, the promise is uh, you will have that, but you have to do something first. And what is that? Wait. Wait upon the Lord, it says. If you wait upon me, 
you're putting your hope and your trust in me and you're believing that my timing is good and it's right and it's perfect. That's when our strength comes. That's when we soar over our circumstances. I'm asking you again, how many of you could use some new strength? How many of you need to soar today? Because your circumstances seem like they're really tall, they're really high. But God's promise for you is this, I will make you soar over your circumstances. I will cause you to rise above what you're facing. And so this morning, not, 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 we don't do this so we have a response so that we can see it. The reason why we do what we're about to do is because now we can pray for you. And so I ask you this morning, if you're going through something, your circumstances are really, excuse me, really tough right now. And you've got the vision. You've got the vision. It's been written down. You're running with it. But man, there's the part of it that you're, 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 you're having a hard time in the waiting for the vision to come to pass. And you'd say, Jeremy, that's where I'm at. Like I said, there could be coming so many different ways. It could be medical, financial, relational. But there's a point of hurt and a point of need in your life. And you're just needing God to show up. And you're needing Him to speak peace to the storm that's in your life. Would you do me a favor? Would you close your eyes? And for those that may be there, would you just raise your hand? Because I still want to see you so I can specifically pray over you. Yes, yes, yes. There's a lot of hope needed in this place today. Anybody? Yeah, I see you. Yes, yes, ma'am, I saw you. Yes, ma'am, in the back, I see you there. Holy Spirit, I pray right now by your authority, by your power, and by your might, I pray that you would begin to speak peace into the lives of those that would raise their hand. I pray that you would speak power, overcoming power into their lives right now. Right, I pray that where they are desperate for you to show up, Holy Spirit, let them begin to see as you see, that you are good and your timing is perfect and that help is on the way. You tell us that you are our ever-present help in time of need. Ever-present. So He, we know you are present here. You are here right now. So Holy Spirit, I pray you begin to fill these individuals even as we cry out. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. And I gotta, I gotta, I gotta have one more question. With you, and keep your eyes closed. But we talk about God's perfect timing. God positions us at certain places at the perfect time. And one of the things that He says that he wants more than anything else for each of our lives is a relationship with him. That we would call him Lord. That we would call him God. That we would walk with him the way that he wants you to walk with him as a father and a son, as a father and a daughter. He wants that kind of a relationship with you. And as you've been listening to this message, maybe you're the one that's realizing, you know what? What I need right now is hope for eternity. The hope that comes with knowing that I get to walk with Jesus forever. 
And the promise that we have today is that you can. We can walk with him forever because he loves you so much. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. It's Christmas. Let it be Christmas for you. And so if you're here today and you've just never made that decision, you haven't done it. You're not even sure why you're here, but I believe you're here because the Holy Spirit brought you here for such a time as this. So if, if you want to put your hope in him, and you just want him to be your God, would, on the count, just raise your hand. One, two, three, if that's you. Is there anybody in here today that would say, God, I want you to be my God. And I want to walk with you all my days. Is there anybody in here? Awesome. So I'm taking that as a sign as everybody in here has made that decision at some place, at some point in their life. And so I'm going to pray over all of you. Lord, I thank you for these, my friends. God, I thank you that you do have a plan and a purpose and a future for their life. God, I pray that whatever circumstances may, may not be here tomorrow, they may they, today, they may come tomorrow. Lord, I pray that at that moment, they would just rely upon they place their hope and their trust in you and in you alone. God, I pray that peace would overcome them. Perfect, crazy peace that only comes by knowing you are for them and not against them. Lord, we give you our praise. We give you our worship. And all God's people said. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.